0: You are now listening to an audio broadcast from First International Christian Fellowship. Get plugged in by visiting our website, ficfreno.com. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing all your people here tonight, Lord God, and making that sacrifice, Father, of um, not watching that game or doing that other thing that seems to be important. Father, may you bless them, Father, for uh, making the time and making the effort. Father, I pray that our love relationship with you, Father, will just drive us into obedience, Lord God, day to day. And today, Lord God, tonight, Lord, I pray that you give me the wisdom, Lord, to speak to your people. May you speak through me to them. May the Holy Spirit in them give them the clarity of your message. And Father, move them to obedience to whatever it is that you are telling them. Lord God, override my preparations, Lord God, and I pray that you strengthen me and enable me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, good evening. So it's either you don't care about football, or your team is not in the Super Bowl, or you're recording it, right? So we don't want anybody telling us anything like us, we're recording it. This is how many Super Bowls for us that we've missed it already but who cares about football right right next to god that has given you everything and continues to give you all things would you really not worship him for 1 hour that's if I'm behaved with my preaching for 1 hour in a in a week right okay that's all right that's fine you being here is good enough you don't i don't need any response <laughs> We're still in the second book of Corinthians. I titled our message tonight, A Matter of Life and Death. So it's probably not going to go how you think it's going to go. Because I don't even know how this message is going to go tonight. We're going to be tackling chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. This is the birth and death rate in 2011. This is from the Central Intelligence Agency. This is the population reference Bureau and the World Factbook. There are 19 births per thousand, 1,000 population. This is all over the world. Okay, 131.4 million births per year. You compare that to the death rate of eight deaths per thousand population. 55.3 million people die each year. Again, this is in 2011. The crazy precedents weren't sitting there yet, so it probably has increased now. 360,000 births per day, 151,600 people die each day, 250 births each minute, 105 people die each minute. This is back in 2011, so we don't know what it is now. Four births each second of every day, nearly two people die each second. So we're looking at these numbers. These, these are facts. Again, this is from the Central Intelligence Agency. These are all the, the numbers that we know. There's people dying every, what? Nearly two people die each second. So when, when my brother Jonas was told that, the doctor told him that he has to be ready, it's any time now. I told them we have, we're, we're no different because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow, right? Some people, and they're in good shape. They, they have a good diet. They have a good strict uh, physical regimen. They exercise well. But what happens? They get sick or somebody shoots them or they get into a car accident and they, and they pass. So there's no guarantee. Nobody has the guarantee of tomorrow. So with this, us knowing this as our backdrop in our message, we're going to begin with verse 12 and 13. Paul still speaking. And this is, you know, if you remember the message last week where the Corinthian church called him fickle because he changed his mind, you know, he changed his plans on them. The Corinthian church were, were somewhat kind of vindictive and not liking his decision, saying that they, he didn't care about them. Here, you will see Paul making, changing his plans right here. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though the Lord opened a door for me, I had no rest in my spirit. He didn't have any peace because I did not find my brother Titus. That's how close he was with Titus. He calls him brother so when we call each other brother or sister, we recognize that we are under one family under Christ. Correct? It's just not a title, oh, this is my Christian brother. You have to know when you call somebody brother or sister, you know it's under the family of Christ. So there is that unity and there's that love that we have to recognize there. So Paul had a very close relationship, very good relationship with Titus. So he was troubled that he wasn't there. And then Paul continues to say, instead I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. This was an this was a trip that Paul planned because it it was open to him. The gospel was open to him to go to Troas and start. I'm pretty sure he's thinking about starting a church there, right? Sharing the gospel with them. Right? So but he when he found out that that um Titus wasn't there. He was troubled. So his burden for the Corinthian church, not knowing, because he, Titus was supposed to bring back the money from the Corinthian church for the work that they were supposed to do, and the report of, from, from Titus, the report about the church. So all of this, Paul was troubled. So he had to cancel what he came there to do. What I also see here is, what I also see here is, is us believers, we have to understand, if you don't already know, we, each other, we get encouraged. We get encouragement from each other. We should encourage one another. Correct? That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to build each other up. We're supposed to encourage one another. But at the same time, we, are the greatest source of discouragement to one another. If you look at this, Paul having that, that relationship with the Corinthian, because of his love for the, the Corinthian church, and his love for Titus, he didn't have any rest. He couldn't do what he, was, he came to do. Even though it was for God that he came there to do, he had to leave, because really it's about people first, Right? It has to be people first before our plans. Let me read this to you. Rather than fickle, as the Corinthians have charged, Paul has shown himself willing to adapt to their changing situation. He also acted for their benefit and not his own, choosing the course of action that spared them the most pain. Now in verses 12, and you'll see to 17, Paul concludes his defense of his conduct by showing how even his efforts to preach the gospel in Troas were affected by his pastoral anxiety for the church. A friend, a friend of mine invited me for a dinner party for his birthday that was last month. Okay, And Saturday is usually my time to just prepare in prayer and, and do my notes and, and my preaching. But his birthday was last month. Okay, and he was gonna, He wanted to celebrate it with me and my family uh, last night. So it's a month late. So I had to forget my plans because this is one particular family that I have been praying for to accept. You know, for them to accept Christ, they've joined us for a couple of uh, our anniversaries and. I'm still, I'm still really hoping. I'm, I'm trying to minister to them. I'm trying to just have that fellowship with them. That in order that they will continue to see the change in me, hopefully, that it will attract them to come to Christ completely. Because I know that my friend has, you know, he he has prayed the sinner's prayer, but he only comes when I visit him, <laughs> and it usually works on anniversaries. But again, just like Paul, you know, you. Leave the plan sometimes for people. Because how would how you like it if something happens to you here at church and I will continue with my plan of outreach? If I choose to go to Las Vegas and start a church here and leave you guys abandoned here? Some people are like, that's a good idea. <laughs> Does it sound good? That sounds good to me, Pastor. <laughs> How about it? <laughs> no, right? It's And then there's something that happened here. And I continue with my plan. I think for me, right now, for me, looking at what Paul did here, I should cancel my plans. And I should just stay here and minister to this church. Right? Because that's just what he did here too. So knowing knowing... The other thing that I want us to see here, with the numbers that I showed you earlier, Paul is always about going to people and sharing the gospel with them. Giving the good news. He made his life, as we all know, about sharing the good news to people. Right? His life was all about that. It was about the gospel. And looking at the numbers here again, knowing that nearly two people die each second, and us knowing, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, that if we die, we know where we're going. Right? Amen. (laughs) I hope so. Or else we're not doing a good job here. If you have received Christ as your Lord, we know where we're going. We're going to heaven. We have eternal life. And eternal means forever, right? So you can't lose your salvation. Even though you accept Christ and you're still a bonehead, you will not lose your salvation. You might live a life that is a bad testimony to Christ, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation is secured. Correct? That's what eternal means. So let's move on. Psalm 42.5. I use this because Paul had no rest and we will see in the next verses how he digresses from his first point. He says here, Why, my soul, are you so dejected? The psalmist writes. Why are you so in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Is there anything in your life right now that's not giving you rest? Right? Something. Most If, if you're a typical American There's always something that's bothering you. If if you are a human being, there's always something that's bothering you, unfortunately. If you are married, unfortunately, (laughs) most of the time, something is always bothering you. If you have children, right? The children will always bring you down to your knees as well and pray, right? If you are working, because in a perfect world, everybody's nice, right? But there's always something that doesn't give us rest. Not just the petty things, the heavy things. You know your trouble. You know the things that are not giving you rest. This we say, we believe that we need to put our hope in God. We need to find our rest in Him. And we'll see Paul digress from what he said, that he had trouble knowing, finding that Titus wasn't at their rendezvous he wasn't there. So now he says, but thanks be to God. He changes the topic. Who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession. I'm going to go to my notes because this is, this is important. The Thanking God, as, as Philippians 4, 6, 7, when he said there, right? Do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, but will be with you through Christ Jesus. So he puts it in there right, right here too. But thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession. The procession here shows us about the victorious soldiers. It says, you know, before when Roman triumphal procession, the victory parade awarded the conquering general in which enemy prisoners were forced to march, right? that's If you've watched those old movies, which I love watching, those, those Roman soldiers, when they win, there's, there's, a, there's a parade for them. And their captured enemies are they're, they're armored or removed, and they're in handcuffs or, or chains, and they're walking. And everybody's celebrating Rome's victory over their enemy. So that's where Paul makes, gives us this picture here. It says here, Through Christ, God the victor had vanquished his enemies. That's the triumphal procession. It says here, in Romans 5.10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? That's the victory. Amen. That's the victory through Christ. Because of what Christ did on the cross, we we, who have surrendered our lives to Him, who have accepted Him as our Lord, will no longer experience death. But we have eternal life. That's victory right there. Paul makes his mind focus on eternity rather than his current situation. Not because he's denying the bad situation. He's not denying his feelings about his worry. But he makes his mind focused for eternity in what he has already received. The victory through Christ. And he's saying that. But thanks be to God. Because sometimes, unfortunately, our problems will not go away. It doesn't matter how hard we're praying. right? It doesn't matter how many words we've said, no matter how black and blue your knees are already, the problems just won't go away at times. So for us believers, we need to be quick to remove our thoughts from our current situation, from the tor- storms of our life, but look up, right? You will not see God in the middle of the storm because the, winds, the wind is too strong, The waves are just hammering the boat. And then you turn around and you see God sleeping because you're thinking He's sleeping. And you ask Him, don't you care, Lord, that my marriage is failing? Don't you care, Lord, that my children are staying? Don't you care, Lord, that my plans are failing? Just like Jesus' response to the disciples, He'll first tell you, oh, you of little faith. Now again, our problems, our prayers are not, most of the time, it's not answered the the way we want Him to answer it. But our prayers are, are always answered. Amen? They're always answered. But not how we want it most of the time. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession, and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of Him, in every place. It says here, and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. In a Roman triumph processional, incense was burned. Paul compared this to the knowledge of Christ, which like a fragrance was diffused everywhere throughout the world via by, by the preaching of the gospel. So here's our responsibility believers we are the pleasing aroma of God we are that thing that spreads the gospel we need to be knowing that we have to have the knowledge of Christ first right so that this should drive us this should move us to try to wanting more wanting to know more of Him. It's just not enough that you sit here for an hour and listen to me for the first five minutes or the last five minutes. (laughs) Because I know I got that knockout power every now and then. It needs, we need you, you need, your love for God should drive you to learn more about Him. Because the knowledge of Christ is needed. You You need to know more of Him. Because there's a need for you to be sharing to people about him. Yes, there's many ways to share the gospel. There's many ways to share the gospel. Yes, you're probably not designed as an evangelist is designed. You're probably not designed as a preacher. You probably don't have that gift. But everybody, all believers, we're, we are Paul says here, and through us, he saw about him and Paul, uh, Paul and Titus, but this is us too. And through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God we are the fragrance of Christ. The only reason why we are back, we we were reconciled with God, is not because we were good. Or that we are good. Or that we did something right. It's because of what Christ did on the cross. Correct? Do we all understand that we are, for to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing? There are there's a big difference. When you come into a room and it's full of believers and they know you're a believer too, right? There, most of the time, like, like what Tita Minda said, it was warm. She felt the warmness of our church. Praise God. If you, were, if you welcomed her with a smile, or every vi- uh, visitor for that matter, and you gave them the love of, of God, and you gave them that warm welcome, praise God, God will bless you. But if, if a visitor who is an unbeliever comes in, and you give them that warm welcome, just like we always do, they will find us weird, right? These guys are a bunch of weird people. They love to hug. They're always smiling. I don't get it. And they're like smiling there, and the preaching was like an hour and 30 minutes. And they've they've been here for 10 years. I can barely sit there for five minutes, right? There's a big difference for those who are perishing and from those who are saved, on how they see and how they respond to us. Correct? And it goes the same with us. Hopefully. But I find it that there are some believers, this is in regards to grace, there are some believers that are more gracious to the world than to their fellow believers. Than to the brothers and sisters, they're more loving to their neighbor than to their brothers and sisters. They're more critical of their brothers and sisters who are making mistakes, but they're more gracious to the world that just keeps making mistakes. I get it. I get it. We can't be judging, right? We have to be loving. We need to show the love of Christ. But we need to find that balance, right? We have to be more loving in the house of God, in the family of God. We need to be loving each other more here, as much more, more here to the brothers and sisters, to the family of God, than to the neighbors. So you can't, you can't have that backwards. Okay, we're going to move on. I think I lost a few of you. I think I lost myself too. <laughs> so I got my notes here to bring me back. All right. This is a, my this is my baby picture. No, yeah. no I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. We didn't I didn't even have a picture. Over 61 per, Did you know that over 61% of churches average fewer than 100 in worship attendance? Yes, we are a nation of small churches. But if your church has fewer than 100 in worship, it is likely to be a declining church. In fact, two out of three of these small churches are declining. This is the truth. This is from Tom Rainier's website. Tom Rainier is one of the guys that um, they have assigned to always do the research on how the churches are doing all over America. So these are stats. A declining church with an attendance of 200 or more declines at a rate of 4% each year. The clients. Look around you right now. Just look how many empty seats you have right now. Yes, we can blame it the Super Bowl. We can blame it on the flu. But on, on if all else is equal, if there's no Super Bowl, no, let's put Super Bowl there. If there's no flu, if everybody's healthy, shouldn't those chairs be filled? I think so. We have four people. I I agree. <laughs> A declining church with an attendance of less than 100 declines at a rate of 7.6% per year. A declining church with an attendance of less than 50 declines at a rate of 8.7% per year. So do you see it? Do you see the trend there? The smaller the number, the faster the decline. And knowing that the country is... Consists of sixty-one, 60, what is it? Sixty-one percent. Sixty-one percent of churches average fewer than hundred. There's more, more small churches in this country, and it is declining at a fast rate. It is declining at a at a fast rate. It is a debt spiral. Declining smaller churches decline much more rapidly than larger churches. Once the declining church goes below 100 in attendance, its days are likely numbered. Here is the sad summary statement of this portion of the research. Once a church declines below 100 in worship attendance, it is likely to die within just a few years. The life expectancy for many of these churches is 10 years or less. Why well, am I talking about this after the Second Corinthians that we just read? Paul lived this life for the gospel. Titus too. And all of the disciples too. In the Bible that we read, in the ne- name that we, we carry, if we call ourselves Christians, we carry the name of Christ. We are a little Christ. And we're told, we are told to go and make disciples of all nations. We're not told to just sit and not do anything. If you're feeling bad after, you know, if you're going to reflect and you're like, okay, I'm not doing anything, I'm not doing that. It's a good thing. That's a godly sorrow. It becomes a godly sorrow if you repent from it. If you're just going to be guilty and stay there, don't. You're doing it the wrong way. I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying this to give you the urgency It's like how God gives you the urgency. Because I was looking at that. I was reading this. I'm looking at all the commentaries and I'm reading it and I'm trying to see, okay, Lord, what do you want from these verses? But what I see is the sacrifice of Paul, the love of Paul for the church and the the many things that he has gone through for the gospel to be spread. And then he brought me to where are we now as a church? And as we see, it's a declining church. There's a trend. People are no longer interested. Well, that's, you know, when the end of times, right? The, the, that's the sign of the end of times. That they will no longer hold on to the truth. That's correct. But we're not supposed to worry about that. We're supposed to worry about what we were told. We're told to live our lives holy and blameless In order for us not to shame the name that we carry. And at the same time, we are also told to move. And the question, church, is what are you doing about that? It's great to experience all his blessings. It's good, praise God, that he is is blessing you. It's good to enjoy everything that he's giving you. But there is work to do. There is a battle out there. God has already won the war. We're just told to participate and we're given this privilege to be a part of it. Roll your sleeves now and get dirty. I heard about this story about a, a, a guy who was part of a soccer team, but he didn't like getting dirty. He didn't even want to play. But his team was so good that they win championships day, year in and year out. But his dad told him one season, he goes, Hey, I, Johnny, I need you to finally go out there and feel, and feel how it, see how it feels to win that championship with them. Don't just sit on the bench. When I used to play, I hated sitting on the bench. I'd rather score 30 points and lose than sit on the bench and win. That was when I was younger. <laughs> When I got older, I was okay to play my role, even if it's just sitting on the bench and cheering for them. (laughs) But this is for our faith. The workers are few. The Bible says, Jesus said, the harvest is many. What are we doing as a church? The Christians before, they knew what they were holding was true. They, know, they knew that this is it. Everything that Jesus told them is it. That was life for them. There was nothing more important than that to them. Why is it us now, believers, there's other things that's more important. Like a football game. I'll miss one Sunday, who cares? I'm saved by grace anyway. Okay, that was me, okay, for many years before. Pastor Jews already knew I was going to be here if it was a Super Bowl. <laughs> I was going to hear it from him on Wednesday morning, which is my discipleship from him, with him. But it happens, right? It happens that we take God for granted, that we say we know the right answers. God is my number one. We put it on our Facebook, it's under description. it's on your info, God first family second, right? But do we really live our lives like that? First Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. First, we go back to, "In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord." Now, the things that we do in, in our life, with our faith is all a, it's a byproduct of our love relationship with Him. If we are not in love with Christ, we could care less of sitting here and listen to the message or sing songs. Sometimes you'll just sing, sing a song because it's a last song syndrome, right? You're not even thinking about it. You're just singing it. But if you are truly in love with your spouse, you're always talking to them, correct? You're always wanting to spend time with them. If you truly love your children, you're always wanting to find ways on how you guys can spend time with each other, correct? I guess not, but that's okay. It's okay. Okay. No, but it's true, right? We say these things, we know these things, but we don't live our life the same way. We say we love God, but how much do we really spend time in learning about Him? Knowing that many times, some time ago, you were asked a question and you got stumped. And you didn't have an answer for that person. You're like, oh Lord, help me. And then you get home and there's the Bible, and you're like, oh, let me, where's the, where might be a game? Let me see the Warriors game first. And something else was more important than finding out the answer for that person. You come out of church and you're like, yeah, I'm going to share the gospel to my coworker. I've been praying for him. I heard this great, this, this message, and I'm, I'm compelled now to, to, to do it. But then you get there and you're like, never mind. I'm too hungry. Break is only 15 minutes. Why would I spend another 10 minutes with Him? I say, I give you these silly examples, but really sometimes that's how we we do it, right? That's how we do it. I've shared with you guys many times that when I'm driving, singing praise and worship songs, and I'm so in love, I'm so in the song, I'm thinking about God, somebody cuts me, and then... I commit murder, right? I commit murder. It's just in a split second. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That's the first first requirement. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. Are you always prepared? Some of you are giving me prepared for what? always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have what's our hope believers our number one hope is that our god is in control of all things correct our god controls our lives our god has saved us from the fires of hell our gods can change our spouse our gods can change us our god can change our situation, our circumstance, no matter how difficult. And even if he doesn't, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response, even if he doesn't, do you have that resolve like those three guys? Or are you on a conditional basis? My love for you, Lord, is contingent upon your response to my need. All right? Our relationship with God, our faith should be even if He doesn't answer our prayers the way we want Him to. That's the hope, right? That's the faith that we have. To that Lord that has given us all things. We should be ready and prepared to give that answer. And how can you be prepared? How can you know if you don't take the time to do a Bible study? I don't have time, Joe. You have your programs? Look at those hours and look at those dates. And if you really want to know about God, call the leaders there. And we'll be more than happy to give you your own personal Bible study one-on-one. But most of you don't want that. If you're going to be honest, you don't want that. I offered an accountability partnership with somebody and they turned it down. They don't want it. (laughs) They don't want to be accountable. They don't want me checking on them and them checking on me, I suppose. Why? Because you become accountable. Somebody is now watching you. Now that's your free will. But then that just explains to you You should know that that's why your faith is still the way it is. Because you haven't made those sacrifices that you need to do to be the disciple of Jesus that He wants you to be. If any of you wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and come follow me, right? The if is conditional. If you want it. There's just many other things that's more important. But we need to have the knowledge of, of God. We need to do the study. We need to spend time in learning about Him. There's no way. Yes, you can pray. You can pray. You can probably wing it. <laughs> but you want to be honest with yourself. You want to invest in yourself about learning about God's word because truly you want to be a blessing to those people that God will put in front of you. You want to invest in, in learning about the kingdom of God. Now somebody will say, well, if God will pay me $30 per hour in reading his word, I'll probably do it. We're laughing, but that's why we're working, right? Right? We're paid per hour to do something we don't like for most of us, correct? Okay, just me then. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing what? I will, the hardest job was a busboy. That was one of my hardest jobs that I had. A a busboy gets paid during my time $4.50 per hour. And you get to be treated as the worst one in the restaurant. Hey, busboy, I'm done with this. Take this. No respect at all because who are you? You're a busboy. There you respect the waiter because the waiter brings the food. The busboy just carries the stuff. You're a servant. But I did it because I needed the money. Because I want to buy stuff. Now the question is, why are you not reading the Word of God? Why are you not learning more of Him? Do you need to be paid $100 per hour? Just like how much your job is paying you right now for you to take the time? Well, guess what? God's already paid you because he's the one who gave you that job. He's the one who gave you strength to go, to go to work. He's the one that gave you that ability. That's why you know what you're doing and you're flourishing. He's the one that's blessing your business. He's the one that has given you your, spa, your, your wife. And men, if we are going to be honest, we don't deserve our wives. (laughs) Even if you think you were the gift to them, (laughs) we're wrong. (laughs) They are the gift to us. Yeah, my wife was telling me something about not listening. I wasn't really paying attention, but (laughs) it's a joke. Everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. They're going to ask you, who is this Jesus that you're holding on to? Who is this Jesus that you keep telling me about? Who is this Jesus that you go to church three hours every Sunday? Who is this church that you go to church camp with those people? Who is this Jesus? So are you in love? Are you revering him in your, in your hearts? Are you always prepared to give an answer to everyone? But do this with gentleness and respect. And we can't be rude. Amen? Alright, there you go. We can't be rude. I know it's so much easier to be rude. It is. It's easier to say, what don't you get? You want to burn in hell? Is that what you're telling me? Right? It's much easier to deliver the gospel that way it's right here can you not read English would you prefer Hebrew right it's so much easier to be sarcastic but he says here but do this with gentleness and respect Christians Christians we have to give the, we have to bring out the love of Christ the, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit the first of those would be loving, gentleness. Right? So we need to be doing that. We need to deliver the message, answer their questions with the knowledge that we have because we took the time to read and learn about Him in a Bible study, in a church, with your groups, and you know how to answer. You took the time to learn. And we close with this. To some, we are an aroma of death leading to death. But to others, an aroma of life leading to life. Because the message that we we share, God's message, Jesus' message, the gospel, if they turn it down, right? If they turn it down, they've already heard. They had the opportunity and they turned it down. It shows them. They're going to hell. But if they accept Jesus as Lord, they have eternal life, just like we did when we did it the first time. Who is adequate for these things? For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. Now, Paul here is hitting those false teachers in Corinth. He's basically telling the Corinthian church, Listen. We're not doing it for, for profit. Unlike those guys who are with you right now. Bad-mouthing me and the work that I've done there for the Lord. I did it for no profit. But those guys are doing it for money. Unfortunately, there are people who are pretending to be serving God, but it's re- they're really doing it for their own benefit. They're doing it for money. They're doing it for fame. And they're doing it for whatever else. their own selfish desire we do it hopefully when we do it we do it because we don't want them to when you share the gospel it's really hard for us to to not want to to accept the fact that they're not accepting what we're telling them it's not about us okay and it's the same thing with a, a fellow believer it's hard for us to accept the fact that they're not living living to our standards Right? Is is the example is if a believer comes to you and tells you their problem, and then you give them an advice, and all of a sudden they're not following your advice. And then you're like, you know, you're this is why. This is why you're not walking, this is why you're having problems. But really, what if they're approaching it differently? Because they're a different personality, and they'll take Time for them. Sometimes it takes 10 years for somebody to really get what you told them 10 years ago, right? We don't put our own standards on other people. And when we're sharing the gospel, we don't force it. We don't force our point of view to them. We share with them. We share with them. I was told by by Tita Minda it's share with them, not share to them. Because you're sharing with them. Their school is very good in grammar, I have to tell you. They're good at her than you guys. (laughs) For we do not market the Word of God for profit like so many. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ, as from God and before God. Christians cannot confidently be ready to give a defense or an explanation or an answer unless we are immersed Or we have immersed ourselves in God's word. We should know that our faith and our practice. We should know our faith and practice it well enough. So that we can point. We will be able to point others to Jesus. Every person's life emits a scent. We all have that smell. Whether it's your cologne or it's because you were at the burning man we all emit a scent but Christians we emit a scent that either repels or attracts people to Christ our believers believers here we should our fragrance should be of that of Christ the sweet lingering aroma of his love and salvation it needs to be that It can't be forceful, it can't be rude, it can't be anything else. As living testimonies, believers are responsible to present the word of God with sincerity. Just like Paul. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ. We need to present the word of God with sincerity to speak out of pride or any other motive other than the glory of God hinders the spread of the gospel. Hopefully, hopefully, your love for God, your love for God is so true and real, and it's deep that you cannot help it, but to live your life holy and blameless and pleasing to Him. And if it's holy and blameless and pleasing to God, one of one of those is that you cannot shut up about Jesus. You could be making a, a layup. In the basketball, you say, praise God. You could be doing shopping and you say, praise God. Walmart is open 24 hours. (laughs) Right? It could be everything else that we do and we're praising God because our love for Him, we realize it and our heart just overflows. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now look at your week, your past week, and just reflect on your own Quietly, don't talk to your neighbors. How much of last week did you really live your life for Christ? If Christ is your number one, if you call yourself a Christian, how much of your life last week did you really give to him? As you think about that and reflect on that, I want to close us in prayer. But to that thought, we have to realize and and remember that the people that God puts in front of us could be the only time that they will see and meet Jesus through you. So have that thought, have that urgency, have Christ's love in you and hopefully you overflow about Him and his love, always, with sincerity. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message this evening. Father, I pray for your people here tonight. Lord God, I pray for blessings for them. I thank you for their presence here as it encourages me, Lord God. I know this is not about me, Lord, but I pray, Lord God, that uh, you will continue to use my brothers and sisters here tonight, Lord, to glorify you in their lives, with their lives. Father, I pray that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we do at work, at school, with our family, we'll be aware, Lord God, to do it for you. First. Lord, I pray for the urgency for everyone here tonight. I pray, Lord, for the the burden for the lost. I pray for the urgency for them to learn more about you. To finally surrender their time to you, Lord God. To give up that TV show or the basketball game. To just pick up your word, Lord God, and learn more about you. To join the Bible study and just make that sacrifice on the weekends. Father, I pray that like Paul, Lord, we will live our lives for you. Everything for you and about you. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Forgive forgive us, Lord, when we make everything else important other than you. Lord, I pray for wisdom for everyone. I pray for blessings for everyone. I pray, Lord God, that our love relationship with you will continue to grow. And it will just compel us, Lord God, to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was a message from First International. You can access more by visiting our Facebook page, facebook.com slash